more about, um, yeah, just giving your body what it needs and giving it the time to slow down and, and shift gears, um, to, to find that quiet within their bodies. Welcome to the Relational Parenting Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hayes, a parent coach and 20-year childcare veteran. Each week, I sit down with my own father, Rick Hayes, and discuss the complicated issues that parents face today, as well as some of the oldest questions in the book. From the latest research and the framework of my relational parenting method, we offer thought-provoking solutions to your deepest parenting struggles. Added bonuses include intergenerational wounding discussions and guest childcare experts. We will also start taking your parenting questions in episode five. So be sure to comment with your biggest questions or email me directly at Jenny at JennyB.co. Let's get started. Noelle Eicholtz is a sleep consultant who created Sensationally Wired to help neurodivergent individuals and their families achieve better sleep. By combining natural methods such as craniosacral therapy, yoga, breathwork, somatic work, nutrition, and healthy sleep hygiene habits, the central nervous system can become calm and relaxed to allow the body and mind to rest peacefully. Noelle understands how challenging it can be for individuals with different neurological needs to maintain a healthy sleep routine, which is why she strives to provide effective solutions that respect each person's unique needs and preferences with compassionate and personalized sleep consulting services. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Relational Parenting Podcast. Our guest this week here with us today is Noelle Eicholtz. Um, Noelle and I we met through a mutual friend, right? Emily connected us. Yeah. Emily, yes. And, um, through nanny ship, uh, newborn care specialist, <laughs> um, et cetera. We met through the childcare world and connected and did a trade show together and have just been helping each other as we go along on this entrepreneurial journey. And Noelle has now started her company, Sensationally Wired, where she works with neurodivergent children and families. Hi, thank you. Hey, hey. Awesome. We are so excited to have you here today. Um, I'm so excited for you to tell the world about this. I've been excited about this for months since you first told me about it. We did our trade show together. Um, and I'm just like, Oh my God, this is so needed. Um, for parents, for nannies, for anyone who's taking care of children, um, to have these special skills to be helping kids with different abilities, different brains, different nervous systems, um, who need more than just a typical way to settle or calm down. And really a lot of these techniques that you're going to talk about today could help any child. Um, they would help me, they would help any adult. Um, so you just have such a breadth of knowledge and talent and yeah. Tell us about yourself, Noel. tell us about what you do and let's get these, get this information out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like, um, like Jenny said, I am Noelle with, uh, Sensationally Wired. Um, this is a, um, kind of a love child of mine that's been, um, growing for about 25 years. And the, 
throughout my 25 years in childcare, I was, I did babysitting. I had an in-home daycare, was a career nanny, became a newborn care specialist, and then went on to be a sleep trainer and sleep consultant, uh, essentially. And along with that, um, so I've always had a passion for, for kids. Um, even when I was a kid, I loved babies, loved, loved kids. And throughout, um, kind of a, a parallel line, um, in, um, in my growth, I was going to go to medical school, um, loved medicine and, um, wanted to help people. And then that just kind of fell on the wayside, but I did have uh, some medical training, um, became a massage therapist as well as a certified newborn massage instructor. So I've been massaging, you know, babies and newborns for about 24 years now. Wow. And through, um, through that, I then became a yoga instructor. I can teach meditation and breath work. Um, then after that, I became very involved in, uh, in somatic work. And then I became a cranial sacral practitioner. Um, cranial sacral is a um, very light bodywork modality where we reset and balance the central nervous system. So over the last couple of years, I've been thinking that I wanted to um, you know, kind of find, find my niche and put all of these things together. And through some of my nannying, um, I have had kids that had neurodivergences from uh, autism with ADHD, ADD, sensory processing disorder, and through through the gambit of um, of just neurodivergences. And then last year, I wanted to find a a class, a certification, so that I can learn more for helping these neurodivergent kids sleep better because most of them struggle. And what I found was there wasn't any training. There wasn't any courses. Mm. There are definitely some doctors out there that have, uh, have written books and workbooks, uh, and, you know, and some, some planners, but as far as having a course for a sleep professional to take, to learn more, I personally haven't found it as of yet. If you're hearing this and <laughs> you have it, please reach right. out because I want to talk. Right. Um, and right. So after that, I decided to um, to create that. And since I since I've been doing that, I have been hearing about more and more sleep consultants getting into this field because there is such a a lack in service and support for these families of, well, how do you get your ADHD kid who's running around to relax, to sleep? And how do you get them to sleep through the night when they wake up and their brain and body are ready to go? Um, So because sleep is so important for how we function as just as a person Mm -hmm. and how we relate Mm -hmm. to life. And if you're tired things get a little wonky Mm -hmm. or a lot wonky, depending on how, how little sleep uh, you get. Um, so yeah, with, um, with all of my training has really been focused on the nervous system, 
getting yeah. things to calm down with the massage and the cranial sacral and the yoga and the breath work and the meditation and the somatic work. And all of this um, has coalesced into this beautiful company that, that I've created and looking forward to um, talking with families and parents and kids so that uh, I can, I'm doing research studies to see if there's a correlation between the type of neurodivergent and if there's specific techniques or methods that work for those divergences so that I can create courses for parents and sleep professionals because uh, it's it's so important and um, it's it's a field that's getting more awareness and attention and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it and uh, excited to kind of see where see where it goes. I love I love that cool. and that's yes, very source of people to have in have intentional ways to deal with behaviors they're having mm -hmm. with their kids that they don't know right. how to deal with. Well, and it's also, it's another, just another thing that once again, when, if we start these things in childhood, there's more awareness now around how sleep quality really affects our health, right? Like if you don't get good sleep, it literally throws everything off. Like you get certain food cravings. If you have a lack of sleep, you have obviously like tired, lack of emotional regulation, lack of everything regulation, hormonal regulation, so many, so many ways that sleep affects us. And if we can get people these tools and start with kids, then those kids get to grow up with those tools and continue to use them into adulthood and then teach their kids. And then eventually maybe we can, you know, exponentially improve the the health and well-being of human beings the sat life satisfaction all of those things um absolutely but in a more in a more narrowed down sense you know working with newborns up through um older kids on their sleep is also going to provide parents with relief it's going to help parental sleep. It's going to help parental, um, well-being and health overall. So I'm just, I'm really excited that you're doing this and you have, like I said, like you yeah. just mentioned a lot of like most of the things that you do. And I've got like my list here of all the things we've <laughs> talked about. And I'm just like, God, like you just wrap this up into, into a beautiful box and just give it to families as like, obviously not as a gift, like you deserve to be paid for it, but it is such a gift that you have all of these modalities to bring to the table. Um, mm -hmm. What have you noticed are some of the, I guess, tried and true? Because each kid is different, right? Each kid that you work with is going to be a little bit different or a lot different um, and have different needs and different techniques and things that they like or don't like or that work for them or don't work for them. Um, but I'm curious if there are any of these modalities that really have stood out for you that it's like, this kind of works for pretty much anyone um, or could be an option for people to try at home with their kid. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, if it's just like a general, um, instead of like focusing on one case study or a specific, um, issue, uh, overall, uh, for, for general, 
really working on getting a schedule and a routine okay. uh, set down around bedtime. Hmm. And because what happens is when kids are playing, they're in the moment, they don't want to shift gears, they're happy doing what they're doing, and they don't want to go to bed, they don't want to stop playing. So, but if you have this routine, and they know what's coming, and they know what to expect, that creates a safety within their bodies, within their nervous systems. And within this safety, they know what's coming and their body begins to relax. Mm -hmm. And so they can, they can fall asleep better, um, and, um, and sleep, sleep better. Um, so that's, that's one. Um, so again, really just working on nervous system regulation. Uh, another one would be, having them breathe and either teaching them just simple belly breaths. Um, Something else that I teach um, parents and kids is to get a crazy straw, just a silly straw. And as you breathe through it, it changes how, because it's a little bit harder, the nervous system relaxes and calms down. So there are tons of games that, that you can do around silly straws. Uh, and kids love silly straws. They think, they think it's a game, but it's really just, it's fun to, to breathe. And so they, they love that. Um, another thing is, uh, is really focusing on, on their diet. Um, and I'm not saying, cause a lot of kids with, um, with sensory issues, their diet can revolve around brown food. Their diets can revolve around crunchy food or mm. soft food or, you know, things like that. And, and I know that that is a completely you know different ball game and, you know, that's working, um, on a whole, on a whole new level, but being aware of, things like sugar mm-hmm. or having too much milk, uh, cause there's yeah. a lot of sugar in milk. And so a lot of parents will give kids milk before bed and sometimes it's great for them, but other times it wires them up because of mm. the lactose, which breaks down into sugar. That's right. I always forget that, and that lactose like is a, sh- it's a sugar. I always forget that. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that ends in oats, um, fructose, lactose, it's, um, it's a sugar. And, you know, if you can, of course, have a good, well-balanced diet, but just being aware of, of sugar and caffeine, uh, before, before bed is, uh, is super important. And the other thing is just really creating, a, a safe place in, in their bed and creating that environment, uh, in their rooms. Um, and there's so many, um, you know, suggestions around how to have a good sleep environment, a good safe sleep environment, um, for, for the kids to, to relax with, um, yeah, I mean those, and then there, like I said, there are so many different things, but those are like across the board for either neurodivergent or neurotypical, or just 
humans in general. Right. <laughs> doesn't mm-hmm. really have to be a kid. It's, it's more about, um, yeah, just giving your body what it needs and giving it the time to slow down and, and shift gears, yeah. um, to, to find that quiet within their bodies. I love that. And that's even like, that's even sleep advice that we get as adults is like, don't, you know, don't do work in your bed. Don't, um, don't do anything in your bedroom except sleep. Like that is so that when your body walks in there, you know, maybe you have a sleep time routine. Mine is like, I wash my face, brush my teeth. Like there's specific things that I do you know, I put on cuticle oil on my nails. Um, like that one like feels luxurious. Like it feels like something to look forward to. <laughs> like, it's just like a little tiny thing, but it just, it's something that feels good. I'll have to start doing You that. should. It, it feels like, but yeah, creating something like the craziest, that's like, cuticle but oil. that's like the crazy straws for kids is like, this is a fun thing to look forward to at bedtime because we talked about this in another episode that bedtime is a time of separation. And that is the hardest part of the day for children yeah. is when they are yeah. separated from you emotionally and in their nervous system. That is a dangerous thing to be separated from you. Mm-hmm. And so creating a bedtime that is full of safety and love and joy and maybe a little fun makes it feel I mean, safe, I don't know what other word to use, but, um, and allows their nervous system to calm down enough to go to sleep. And so having a bedtime routine for yourself, having, you know, translate that down to your, to your children, they need a bedtime routine too, to calm. It signals their bodies. Okay. It's time to start calming down. It's, you know, we're going to head to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so Noel, when you, you go into, um, you, or you have in the past, um, you've gone into homes locally and worked with families hands-on. Um, and then you're also planning to create courses online where parents can access and learn these tools to utilize themselves in their homes, um, nation or worldwide. Right. Um, but I'm curious about what does a session look like if you were to, you know, a family hires you to help them with their neurodivergent child, we just cannot, a sleep routine isn't working or this isn't working. You know, we cannot get this child to sleep through the night and they're five years old or whatever the situation might be. What does that, what does it look like for you to go into a home and work with people? Uh, so currently um, I am mainly doing uh, consulting. So it'll be online. Yeah. If there is a local family, then I would go in, um, you know, one to three nights, uh, to show, uh, the parents how, how it looks and, um, what kind of what to expect. Uh, but currently I am, um, mainly doing online consulting. So what that process looks like, is uh, I have three different packages, and once they decide um, which package they would like, they will fill out um, a sleep questionnaire about what the issues are or what is working well. Um, And just so I can have a good overall view of what their 
um, what their sleep looks like. Yeah. I will also ask them about their days and uh, how how their diet is and if they get outside to play or if how much screen time they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will also fill out a sleep log, uh, which will go for about a week, and to see if there's any patterns. Yeah, um, they'll tell us. They'll tell me when the kid is put into bed, when they are actually going to sleep, when they wake up in the morning, if they are waking up in the middle of the night, and if there's any issues, if there's sleep terrors or sleepwalking, nightmares, um, you know, recurrent, uh, recurring bedwetting, things like that. So just getting an overview of a week-long sleep, and then also if there's any napping during the day. Because a lot of kids, if they're not sleeping at night, they're going to try to get naps during the day mm-hmm. to, to make up. But then those naps can affect yeah. their, day, their, their, their nighttime yeah. sleep. So we'll, you know, we'll go through that, and then they'll um, fill out... Another form, uh, just to let me know if there's um, any diagnosed uh, neurodivergences, um, if they are seeing any therapists or um, you know doctors, whether it's OT, PT, um, psychologists, or ABA therapies. And once I have a really good overview, um, and they fill out their their sleep log for a week, we will then have a um, a one hour consultations to kind of go over any, um, any more details about their, their issues or their concerns with, with their child's sleep. And then I really want to find, um, also the, the parent's temperament, because some are okay with listening to their kids cry and, you know, struggle. And then some that absolutely do not want any of that. And so the parent's temperament, um, I, I take into account of what sleep method and techniques we're going to use, um, to help their, their kid go to sleep. Yeah. And, uh, after our hour long conversation, um, and during that conversation, we'll go over what I think would be a, an appropriate um, sleep technique uh, to help their kid with their their struggle. And then uh, after our call, I will create a step-by-step sleep plan for them of, um, because a lot of the times when we're talking about this stuff, they may not retain everything that we talk about or they'll forget to write something out. So I will then create a sleep plan of here, here's your step-by-step of, of, of what we talked about during, uh, during our call. So that's, that's kind of what, what to expect. And uh, I know it seems like a lot, but there's sleep is, is complicated. It's not just this, you know, you get into bed, you lie down and, and you go to sleep. Like, I've struggled with insomnia since I was 10 and it took me about a little over 25 years to figure out how to sleep Mm -hmm. and what my body needed. And so I spent again, 25 years of my own personal journey trying to figure out how to just sleep personally. And because I've tried all these other things, it's like, Oh, 
now I know what works, Mm -hmm. (laughs) at least for me. Mm -hmm. And then I can take all those other things of, yeah, I tried this. It didn't really work for me, but it might for you. So, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. That's the first thing I thought when you said that about uh, working with parents to get kids to sleep was how much of the work is actually with the parents. You know, Most yeah. of it. <laughs> you know, especially young parents. That's going to be what I said too. You know, yeah. There's a hectic environment. It's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. There's back to the safety and the expectations, the predictability, the wind down, all these things you guys have been talking about. It's like, yeah, you got, and, and performing some of the techniques on the parents so that they have an understanding of what, you know, the, the yep. craniosacral, the body work, so that the parent has an understanding of the effect on the child, you know, personally. Yeah, that, that sounds like that could all be very educational, mm-hmm. especially if you had a kid that was particularly challenged going to sleep. I mean, there's enough of that with just any any young child, right. any you know, young child, right? Absolutely. Track, you know, <laughs> let alone if there's a particular nervous system uh, upset or something. Right. We we talked about that in our just in our friendship and in previous conversations, Noel. Of how much how much work with kids is actually work with parents, um, whether it's nannying or newborn care specialist or sleep consulting or, um, consulting with neurodivergent kids. It's, I mean, what, 90 to 95% it's working with parents. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the parents. Yeah, I was about ready to say like 90, 95, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. kids are just kids. It. It, it, the work is educating parents. Yep. Because no one walks into parenting. We've said this a billion times. No one walks into parenting with all of these tools and skills. Yeah. No, there's parenting isn't taught. Um, there's no test, no degree, no, no, no there's training. There's no training, no nothing. Yeah. I mean, I think some people take like, Lamas for mm-hmm. birth and then how to change a diaper. There's like a, like a one-off parenting class at hospitals is what I've seen. Um, or there's court ordered parenting classes when things are like really bad mm-hmm. and kids are getting sent to foster care and taken out of the home. And that's a whole other yeah, level and, and place yeah. to be yeah. that, that isn't. Yeah. This just parenting standard parenting is so hard and so self-reflective and so mind-boggling and chaotic. And then you add anything on top of that, like having a child with a different brain um, than a typical child or anything else. And it's and it's just like, what do I do? Where do I go? What book do I read? How do I actually know, you know, who's been doing what or has the degree to do the thing? And is it going to work for my kid? Um, and that's why I'm so excited that there's your, like, having someone who's been doing it for 25 years, who's worked with so many different kids, so many different kinds of families and has such a huge toolbox. It's like, you're almost guaranteed. You are guaranteed to find something that works, you know, Mm -hmm. and to be able to evaluate the details of their lives and be like, try this. I think it's so cool that there are so many, there are so many resources available now and accessible that you can find with the internet and YouTube and, and, and podcasts and whatever 
with steps to take before you just go to your pediatrician or, you know, before there's all kinds of people to talk to and things to learn. And, you know, before you that are just like, Hey, we didn't do that in my family. You know, Hey, that would, you know, that would be a good idea kind of stuff Mm -hmm. to pick up um, before you decide. Yeah. This it's a, it's a tuba, you know, before it's some kind of serious (laughs) medical problem. Right. Well, and it's in like pediatricians. It's not a tumor. Oh my God. Pediatricians are also specialists. Like they, pediatricians are fantastic and they know a lot of things. Um, and they have, that's their, they have a specialty in the medical arena with kids. And Absolutely. so, you know, there's a Absolutely. lot of other modalities outside of the medical community for parents to tap into. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of, um, there are great pediatricians out there and, um, I've also spoken to a lot of them and a lot of them don't have classes about nutrition or, you know, regulation or sleep mm-hmm. and they can say, okay, well, you know, go, go over here, um, and check out a sleep consultant. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, unfortunately, you know, that's just something I, you know, is, um, you know, I feel it could be, could be stronger um, and yeah. within, within the community for sure. And uh, I highly respect pediatricians and their, their work with the body. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's the body and sleep is, is, is different and nutrition is different. And it's a good idea mm-hmm. to um, have a, a team of specialists or specialists to really look at the body as a whole and get those people who know about those different fields and come together to, uh, you know, to, to treat everything. Um, so, cause not one person is going to be an expert in everything. So everybody has their wheelhouse. Yeah. Yep. That's what specialty Absolutely. is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love it. I want to touch more on, on working with parent temper temperament. Um, mm-hmm. Cause something, something that you said in one of our conversations was um, that there's so much, so much trying to control and change children um, versus just listening to who and what they are and letting them be and then meet and meeting them where they are um, so much. Uh, and, and I've witnessed mm-hmm. this too. And that's why you and I have talked about it is through working with families in their private homes. Nannies see things that even their like closest friends and family don't see because we are in the home every day or often enough, we are operating as if we are part of the family. And so we, after a couple of months, you always know when like they've, when parents have gotten comfortable with you being around because you start seeing them bicker with each other, or you start seeing them Mm -hmm. lose their cool with the kids, or you start like, you start seeing things that they, you know, people keep under wraps or keep hidden from the general public about Mm -hmm. like just, you know, general human flaws that we all have. And 
you get past polite. So we, you know, we get comfortable. They, we, we learn to trust each other. And then that also means that we now get to see uglier sides of one another. And, um, for us as nannies, it's like, this is our job and we're professionals. So we still are maintaining that, but because we're in the parents' home, they're letting loose a little more. Cause like, it's my house and this is where I live. And so that's just the natural flow of things. Um, so you and I, Noel, and anyone else who's been a long-term nanny in any capacity knows what this feels like to watch the slow, like almost like, uh, trickling of, uh, real, like who you really are behind closed doors that starts to come out. Um, Mm -hmm. and you get to witness people Mm -hmm. like really at their worst, um, or close to it. And Mm -hmm. we can almost see through that experience exactly what parts of the parent are causing the hard things that are happening with the children or at least influencing it heavily. Um, and mm-hmm. you watch, you watch the children react and respond to how the parent is showing yeah, up in real time. In real time. And that's probably a huge reason that you and I are both where we are right now, starting these businesses and wanting to help families um, with these techniques. And because it's so, it's so real and it's so hard because we as nannies, like we're not perfect either. Like we have our own triggers and our own ways of showing up on not our best days with children and like everybody does it. But this, but the way that a that a biological connection affects the well-being of a child or the behaviors or the reactions or the safety of a child is a very special bond that you really can't get anywhere else. And so the witnessing of, how, of, of parents and their behavior and the way that it, it does cause a child, because a child has no control over themselves yet, not, or very little, um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like our work, yes, we're aimed at helping kids, but I feel like more than anything, we're aimed at helping parents understand and meet their kids where they're at for a more like successful, healthy, loving, joyful relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, for a, I mean, a, a primary caregiver, a parent, a biological, whatever, you know, that's the, that's the most, generally the most important relationship. And if that person isn't regulated, if our job is to teach some regulate, teach our kids to regulate, and we're not regulated ourselves, that's, you know, it's like having a bad golf coach or, you know, it's like, hey, uh, let's, uh, let's learn a little bit more about this while we're trying to teach it too, you know, it helps to, helps, helps, helps to educate the parents too. Right. Absolutely. Cause a lot of us, um, either parents or grandparents, <clears throat> there wasn't this awareness mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. And so yep. like our grandparents taught our parents, what they knew from their parents and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And so it, it takes, 
an individual to really kind of stop and look at the 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 lineage yeah. of um of how things have been done within the families and then it's their choice to make those changes so that we in this generation can begin to teach our children a better way of relating to ourselves to life to other human beings and yeah and it just it really just starts with finding that stillness and quiet within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if we, as um, in this generation, teaching the kids how to be okay with themselves and meet, even meet themselves where they are in that moment and try to find tools and techniques that help them reach their greatest potential, I think is, is super important. And, but in order to teach that the parents have to learn first, they need to learn that if something was done within their family and they didn't like it to stop and do, do that inner work and find that stillness within them so that they can make the change for their children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Something when you said, I love that you use the word, it takes an individual because that like it takes somebody willing to step away from the pack or the way that things have always been done or the norm or whatever our friends are doing or, and, or whatever our family did and whatever influence grandma and grandpa are having on how you're raising your children. And it takes an individual and it takes bravery and courage to be like, I'm not, you know, the A, B and C are things that I hated in my childhood, how I was spoken to or how I was treated when Mm -hmm. I had trouble or, or this or that. And to say, I'm not going to repeat that pattern. I'm going to find the places in my life where I maybe do that. Um, or maybe the things, you know, that you do with your kids are completely different or new, but we all have flaws. We all have blind spots and looking at yourself and Mm -hmm. looking Mm -hmm. at the places where you don't (laughs) like the way that you're, you're treating your kids or you wish that you had more answers on a better way to do things for your kids. Um, I just, that word individual really struck me when you said it. And I was like, it it does. It takes a person who can drown out the noise of influence from outside voices or judgment from outside voices to decide, not only decide, Mm -hmm. making the decision is the easy part following through, seeking the knowledge, seeking those other modalities, trying things that are completely foreign and weird or whatever they feel like is the hard part, the brave part. And Mm -hmm. when something... The daily walk. Yeah. And when something doesn't work, being brave enough to try again and not think that it means that you were wrong and you should just go back to the way things were. Um, Yeah or it's too hard taking responsibility when when you when you said the word noel the individual i i 
flashed on responsibility. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's like things are the way they are, good, bad, indifferent. Sometimes you just have to say, quit talking about it, you know, basically blame. You know, it's like, well, my parent was drunk or whatever, whatever caused it when you're raising your kids. Sometimes you just have to go, well, you gotta, you gotta own that crap. And uh, what do I do about mm -hmm. it? And they you know, take care of it. That's the individual, uh, the idea of individual uh, kind of boiled down to, okay, this is my problem. How do I, how do I solve it? Figure out how to start figuring out how to make it different if you want it different. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Cause there was um, a saying that um, like as a child, what was done to you and how it affected you wasn't your choice, but as an yeah. adult, it is now your choice to address that and to make yeah. changes uh, wherever yeah. um, it needs to, wherever it needs to be. Yeah. It's now your, I think they did the, I've seen that quote. It wasn't your, it's not your fault or your, and it wasn't your choice the way that you got treated as a child, but it is now your responsibility to heal from and not repeat that pattern. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yes. That one. Yeah, the responsibility <laughs> word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And that's one. I mean, that's one object like I've worked with for years now. And there's, I think, I don't know. I don't, I've never met someone who is not, had something, some grudge they held against their parents in some way. Even, even if you had wonderful, loving parents, like no human is perfect. Um, and there were things from your childhood that right. you did not appreciate and, and wasn't what you needed yeah. and all of those things. And so there's been like very deep work and part of my, this business being born out of it, um, has been the work of forgiveness and, or hard conversations with par with parents about mm -hmm. things that hurt us from our past. And, um, mm -hmm. but also then not just like you did this and you did that and you need to apologize to me, but also sitting in like meditation or just like laying in bed for an extra few minutes in the morning when I'm having a hard time and remembering that like my parent also did the best they could. My parent also came from their childhood with all of these things and look at all of those things. They didn't repeat mm -hmm. for me all of the ways that they overcame and did not parent me the way they were parented and, but they were still human mm -hmm. and made mistakes. And now I have all of those things that I get to not repeat and pass on. And mm -hmm. So there's, yeah, there's a healthy balance there of being, of recognizing the patterns in your family that are, that are toxic or maladaptive and doing them better. And also not, um, like h hating or turning your parents into like monsters because they made mistakes or and this is, being a, ends up being a victim. Yeah. Right? Not victimizing you yourself. You demonize somebody. Yeah. It's like, well, you take, you adopt this victimized yeah. thing and instead of being, for me, the words adult starts to jump out. It's like, okay, when you can accept that crap happened in the past and it's in the past and just decide, and just start dealing with it, um, taking responsibility for today yeah. and taking responsibility for your children and you know, there's there's a fork in the road there somewhere where if you, yeah. if you fall back into victimhood and blaming, 
then okay, you are, you know, I'm probably you probably have to scratch all this, but it, you know, that's a, there's a lack of adultness or something, lack of responsibility. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some at some point you have to say, okay, this is mine now, and uh, so what am I going to do tomorrow? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's and that, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like most Parenting of us. <laughs> Just don't do it. That's the final message. Just don't do it. Don't do it. No, no. We were wrong. You can't fix it. We're so sorry. Sorry. Oh God. It's but it's tough, you know, dealing with kids as a route to personal growth too, and you Mm -hmm. know, and and uh, the relational thing Jenny's working on, you know, the importance of the relationship with the parent and the child. It's funny how that even gets down to sleep. I just keep seeing that pattern in all these Mm -hmm. talks we have. It's like, boy, you got to work, you got to work on your relationship with your kids. And that just turns into all kinds of thought, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Cause if, if you've got stuff going on within yourself, your central nervous system your uh is is activated and you're in that fighter fighter fleet freeze mm-hmm. and just going on this survival mm-hmm. instinct and yeah. you know, most humans in the world especially you know here in America we're we're always on and we're mm-hmm. always just anxious or suspicious or don't you know trust or don't feel safe mm-hmm. or this that or the other and if a you know an adult a parent has that um then they have a hard time regulating themselves mm-hmm. and if they can't relate or regulate themselves then they have a hard time relating with others you know i e their their children mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then they're also modeling that yeah. kids mm-hmm. learn by seeing yeah. and they yeah. want to imitate their parents so if they see that that's what the child is going to think is normal and right. And so they, they mirror that and that's that, and that's what they do. And it's, it's, it's hard. Um, So yeah, being, being a parent is, is hard work. It takes a lot of um, inner reflection and really kind of catching yourself first and working on who you are to relate better. And if the parent can figure out how to just calm down and chill out, they can teach Mm -hmm. that to their kids. And if both of them are feeling good, then if we're going to bring it, you know, circle back to sleep, then if they're feeling good and relaxed, then they both can sleep better and sleep can then make you in a better mood. It can make you more present and Mm -hmm. able to handle and process life. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's just this, this really hard downward spiral circle. How do you get out? What's that first step to, stop Mm -hmm. spinning through the whirlpool and just kind of stop things. And then you can, you know, find your way out. It's just a matter of like finding that one thing that will calm the individual to, so that they can work on finding that stillness for them so they can teach it. 
like a big ball of string. Where's the one? Where do I start to unravel this? You yeah, know? exactly. So and you got to you got to work on it piece by piece. You can't get overwhelmed by the oh, I'm never going to get this whole thing unraveled. It's like well, okay, there's something to unravel. Let's let's just start working on that. We won't we'll we'll we'll, we'll be done when we're done. You know, you you don't worry about the end when you start. Right. Absolutely. And I, I like to tell people I'm like, okay, so what and what gives you seven? There are so many options. There's, you know, one plus six and four plus three or 49, you know, square root of 49. Like there are so many ways to get to mm. seven. It's just like a matter that. of finding out which one is going to be the best path for you within that whole, like, algebraic equation thing um because there there Mm -hmm. are so many Mm -hmm. answers but finding which one works best for you so there's a lot of the times i'm not saying Mm -hmm. there's not a wrong answer (laughs) but i'm just saying that there are so many right answers yeah and it's just a matter of finding out which one is going to work yeah sometimes we get in our own way too because maybe it's uh Three and four is is probably the best answer in with with this particular child, but if you're insistent that one be part of the solution, then it may you know, may take you a while to get to one and two and four, or mm. you know you may you spend time you get attached you get attached to uh, a vision of uh, of how it's going to work, and sometimes you got to step back and you know and maybe work with somebody else i like the idea that you guys have worked with so many kids you know a parent that's raised two or three kids that's great but have having gone out and seen a hundred or a thousand kids gives you such a, a great perspective on uh, you walk into a home and now you have a, this broader perspective of what's okay, I've seen 90% of my people do this, or yeah. golly, I've never seen that before. That's pretty unusual, good, bad, or indifferent. And uh, I like that. I like the fact that you get this, you bring the perspective of more kids, more parents, you know, than most people get to experience in their lives. Right. So and sometimes it's like so. part of being a nanny, sometimes like with the experience that we have now, it's like sometimes these solutions seem simple. It's like the simplest things can be the biggest solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. you don't, people who haven't been working with kids for, for a long time, it's not that simple and it's not that obvious. And, um, right. but something like, yeah, breathing through a crazy straw, something like, um, of course now off the top of my head, I can't think of one, but like going outside is one that we've talked about a lot, um, that can solve a lot of problems, Mm -hmm. putting kids in a shower, put like, or in a bath. It's like, it's like instantaneous anything from the earth, anything from the earth, water, yes, let's go dig a hole. Anything naturally occurring. (laughs) It can be just such yeah, my one of my families, my last long-term family had a huge garden that we didn't we they moved to that house that already had a garden built and then we would plant it um each year in like like maybe 6 months into my 
my work with them. And we moved to that house and it was so cool to have the garden and the kids would go out and like, I didn't have to make snack or like half their meals. I'm telling you were foraged from the, the forests <laughs> of peas and green beans oh my God, and awesome. tomatoes and carrots and raspberries and like they would we would go outside what a great healthy eating after right awesome. and fresh fresh off the vine vegetables mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah. just packed with nutrients and we would just go outside and and play and they would eventually just meander into the gardens and start picking things and eating to their heart's delight and they like it didn't ever have to be managed they would just eat what they wanted or needed for their tummies. And then they would go back, we would go back to playing and they were in the dirt and they would like, we would look at the worms and like, and we would learn about how, what worms do for, for the dirt and the growth and the, mm-hmm. all the things. Oh, and it was just such a natural, anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole. What I'm saying is obviously a crazy straw is not from the earth, <laughs> but there are just simple things. I feel like people, so many families I've worked with get caught up in the, like, there needs to be this, like, wildly strict structure and planned activities and planned that and planned this and everything needs to mm-hmm. be, like, bum, bum, bum. And some of that is good. Structure, planning can make your life easier, et cetera. Predictability. Yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. then, but I have, I've always... Not always, because I used to be a preschool teacher, and I went into nannying with that same mindset of like, of having um, like lesson plans each week and a theme and a thing and a activities always planned constantly. And when I realized that like kids preferred cardboard boxes, running around barefoot, and if I put them in the shower <laughs> with washable paints, and they could just splatter paint everywhere in that shower and on the curtains and it all just rinsed right off and rinsed them off. And then baths were over for the day. Like (laughs) it's, (laughs) you just, it just can, it can be so much simpler than I feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of mainstream messaging makes it of how planned and, and like your kids have to be constantly stimulated and constantly entertained and have activities constantly planned for them and like all of these things. And really it's like what they need is good sleep and then, and nature and less screen time Mm -hmm. and your attention and safe attention and, and real attention and gentleness. And yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm, Tangenting. Sleep is one of those uh, few things that if you're deprived of for any serious period of time, you die. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's yeah. not optional. Yeah. It's it's sleep, essential. food, and water. This is a yeah. little <laughs> yeah. 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 A little bit of social commentary. I think we're busier. Somebody somebody said a couple minutes ago about how we're always on. Yeah. You know, and that's a that's a difference between now and when I was a kid and oh my god, when everybody lived on a forty acre farm. Yeah you know, with a nuclear family and everything. And, and bedtime was probably much more predictable tied to the sun yeah. instead of my phone quit ringing and my friends quit texting things and uh, yeah, creating, it'd be interesting, be interesting to know, Noel, in your, in your practice, how, uh, 
how much the phone and the tablet and men men and women coming home from work and working at home, mm-hmm. you know, instead of having a re- more regulated, hey, mm-hmm. I'm at work, hey, now I'm at home, now it's time to mm-hmm. uh, raise kids or be a family, and how much we don't how much doesn't get passed along just like we don't get nutrients in our food like we used to from commercial farming how much doesn't get passed on from parent to child because everybody's preoccupied and screwing around with tiktok and and uh, youtube instead of hey grandma's here with us living with us and she's teaching us the old trick she had how to bake or how to put the right butter in at the right time and we're in two Yeah, more intuitively mm-hmm. how to, you know, learning these child rearing skills. You guys are filling a very important niche of, you know, all this experience from all these families that uh, people can access through you, you know. That's very cool. I don't know, it's very cool. Very cool. I like to the the uh, we adapt. This is this is a real ad- adaptation of society. It's cool to see what you guys are doing. I feel like we're I just had this vision of like TV and and social media taking over and replacing like the elders who who used to pass down their wisdom within exactly. families within exactly. tribes of like people would listen to the elders and the elders who have seen what's worked and what hasn't throughout their lifetime and not that elders are always perfect or know everything but they know a lot and you can choose which ones to listen to, but I feel like we've our education and our our learning within our families as we grow up has been replaced by go watch TV while I make dinner instead of come on, it's time to make mm-hmm. dinner and then showing your kid how to make dinner at the at the age appropriateness mm-hmm. that they can or you know, like you said, grandma's in town and grandma has all the baking secrets of how to make the best bread or the best brownies or the best whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like that Mm -hmm. has been replaced with the, there's just this huge separation and gap of adults doing things and kids doing things. And it all needs to be Mm separate, like separated. Um, and instead of coexisting and even into like the elderly population being put into care homes and they have no access to other generations. They're just surrounded by other sick old people all of the time. What a waste. And they've shown, they've done studies now where bringing children into nursing homes and there's some villages around the world. I can't remember which countries, but I know um, it might be Finland or one of Yeah, I was going to say Finland. Where they've created these villages where uh, the elderly have, they live in homes, but then they're, but they're like intertwined in the, in a community. And so the kids with childcare, child that's right. And so the, there's childcare and elderly care in the same buildings and in the same like little neighborhoods yeah. and homes. And so there's service people, either nurses or childcare experts or whatever, who are there and monitoring and taking care of the people who need taking care of in both ends of this spectrum, but they're all interacting and engaging together. And, the, and like, you just watch the elderly, you know, people who have the opportunity to pass along their wisdom to these tiny generations who are coming up and like, and it's just amazing. And kids love it. It's like, 
course I want to hang out with grandma. Why wouldn't I want to, like, she's got the coolest stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And people live longer. And I, I think with that, because, yeah, and, and with those, with that generation, they didn't have all the technology. Yeah. And so you had to it, talk to each other for, for some. Yeah, I'm sure it, you know they, they adapted it, but it's like that generation is more present yeah. with those little kids. Yeah. Yeah. And because kids essentially just want to be seen, yep. they want to be heard. Yep. And if we have a distracted parent who is so stressed out either because they didn't sleep or there was just anxiety or something bad happened at work or the parental argument or whatnot with, without being present, those kids don't feel seen. They don't feel heard. And therefore they, a lot of times they feel like they're bad or they're not loved. Or they grab for attention just because like, there's, or they find ways to yeah, get your attention yeah, or, or they'll act mm-hmm. out. Yeah, absolutely. And so then those parents think that they need, you know, discipline or punishment, but really it's just a matter of them getting the attention that they want. Yeah. And that attention is still attention. Yeah. And that's why it's again, so important to just as an adult, as a parent to just calm down yourself, be present with, with your kids. And, you know, there, there's so many different, again, what are you going to get to seven? Figuring out what's going to work for you. Is it going to be just blowing through your kid's crazy straw or having your own crazy straw or, you know, your own certain breath techniques? Because there are breath techniques that um, balance the nervous system. Um, that can connect the hemispheres of the brain uh, or doing yoga or taking your shoes off and going walking in the grass and grounding and earthing or, you know, taking a shower and feeling that water just wash everything off you or, you know, some sort of self-care, self-regulation, figuring out what what works uh, for, for the individual. And they're I mean, I've got so many ideas yeah. and suggestions and it's, it's, it's limitless, yeah. you know, to, to tell you the truth, it's just a matter of finding what works for the individual. Yeah. Different things to different things to do to fit these complex systems that, mm-hmm. that households with kids in them are. Yep. You had Absolutely. a story about, uh, and working with an autistic kid, the, the craniosacral techniques yeah. and an autistic kid, how that affected a child. I thought that was really interesting. Can you share yeah. some of that? Yeah. So um, name change, I'll call him River. Um, when I st- there you go. There you go. <laughs> when I started with River, um, he was about two and a half and uh, autistic, nonverbal, um, somewhere between the levels of two and three. There's you know different mm-hmm. variations and levels of, of autism, um, but didn't really engage. Um, you know, eye contact was few and far between. Following directions, mm-hmm. you know that that sort of thing wasn't just wasn't in his wheelhouse, and. Uh, his, his mom was recommended or I was recommended to his mom 
through a mutual friend. And the first time I, I went over, he is running around the kitchen island, just, <laughs> you know, making noises and running, 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 running. Having fun, just, you know, just doing what a two, two and a half year old does. And so I talked to the mom and dad for a little bit. And then uh, I got down on the ground and just so he can kind of be on uh, or I can be on his um, his eye level. And, you know, just started telling him about who I am and, you know, what I'll do. And if he was interested in, um, you know, coming to, you know, to, just to kind of to, to play with me. And his mom said, oh, well, you know, he won't really respond to, uh, to anything like that. So I was like, well, okay. So, um, his mom and I got him into his bedroom. We closed the door and, um, I again explained we're all on the floor surrounded by his toys and, mm-hmm. um, explained, okay, well, so my hands are, you know, can go on your body if you want me, uh, to put it, um, my hands on any part of your body, you can take it and put it where you want. And I said, and if you don't want it and, uh, you know, I don't have to touch you if you don't want, and just, you know, explaining what I'm going to do. And so he, eventually he, he sat down and I was able to work on his feet. And in mm. the cranial sacral world, we call it a still point, essentially calming the flow of cerebral spinal fluid from the brain down the spinal column, down the spinal cord, um, down into the sacrum and then back up. So it's okay. just, it slows it down and kind of resets, um, the, the, the central nervous system. And okay. so he just kind of like chilled out. I was like, Oh, okay. And then he <laughs> let me, you know, put, put my hands in, in certain places. And there was, um, one point where I said, okay, river, do you want, you know, where do you want my hand? And he took my hand and put it on, you know, put it on his body and we did some work and he'd get up when his body adjusted to, um, to his body relaxing and he would run around and play and then he'd come back and, um, and then by the end he was laying in my lap. I was able to, you know, to do the work and, um, our, our session was only about 30 minutes. Most kids are 30, maybe Hmm. 40 minutes long. Hmm. And when the session was done, we opened the door and he went and laid down on the couch, took all of his stuffies and just put it on top of them and, and lied there. Mm -hmm. And his dad came in and he's like, Oh my gosh, he's so chill. What, what did, what did you do? (laughs) What did you do? And I'm like, well, this is just a, what did you do to my child? And they're like, this is just the greatness of, um, of cranial sacral therapy. And so I've been working with him for, I don't know, probably eight months now, give or take. And when, when I walk in, he sees me and he grabs my hand, his mom's hand, and he walks us to his bedroom. Oh. <laughs> he will look me in the eye. He will have amazing eye contact. And we've wow. learned that he likes certain things and then he doesn't like certain things. And, you know, some days he just, he, he runs around his room and I'm like, okay, so I'll just give cranial sacral to your mom kind of thing. And 
but also at the very beginning, he would not let me touch his head. Mm-hmm. And he now lets me put my hands mm-hmm. on his head. I've, I've heard of that before. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. There, then there was one night where he just would not let me do work at all. And he wanted to go outside. And, you know, I told his mom, like, if he just needs to get outside and run around, then, then great. So we follow him out. And I he goes and sits bedtime. in a sandbox. Yeah, absolutely. I ground before bedtime. I go stand outside in the grass before bedtime. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. And he was just, he chilled out while he was in the sandbox, and he let me do work while he was sit, playing in a sandbox. So that was Aww. me just really meeting him where he was in that moment. Yeah. And Halfway, yeah. Yeah, within within six months, like the first six months, he went from uh, the kid at school, and he goes to a uh, mm, a therapy school, and he was that kid that the therapists dreaded working with. They did not want oh. anything to do with him, and six months later, he got student of the month. Oh. So, you know, just being able to kind of regulate him and meet him where he was, he has begun to flourish. And in the last several months, he's started to say some words and he has better eye contact. And he always um, he's been sleeping pretty well. Uh, He he did have a sleep trainer uh, when he was younger. So sleep wasn't ever really the issue. But other things were. And. Yeah, he he loves it. He loves he loves his cranial sacral and it's it's lovely and fantastic and it's it's fun. It's good stuff. That's amazing. That's gotta be yeah. really cool when you see it when you the the right the right technique hits the right kid with mm-hmm. the right need, you know, mm-hmm. and it really and you can really see the effect like that. That's great. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Uh, no, that's yeah. a terrific story. That's and another another thing that we talk about all the time is uh, the younger the better. You know, the sooner you can figure yep. out these interventions and learn yeah. these. Like I'm calling, I'm trivializing them, calling them tricks. But if you can learn, you know, if you've got things going on in your family that are challenges mm-hmm. for parenting, uh, the learning them at one is better than learning them at, when the kids are two, and and on and on. Um, yeah. That's very cool. So, yeah, you, so when you stop doing the craniosacral, does the the the, the child that was autistic was he? Uh, do you have to do that forever, or is that something he learns from, or how does it how does it work long term? Uh, it varies from person to person. Um, okay. It's think of it like. Like massage for your body. If there's something going on within the head or the um, the cranial nerves, then the uh, correlate that to say you have an injury in in your back. You go mm-hmm. to massage for you know, regularly uh, mm-hmm. to help work it out. And then there's maintenance and sometimes you need a little bit more maintenance and then sometimes you can go a long time without it. Then you can go back. Same, same thing with, with cranial sacral. Um, 
if there's a kid who, you know, has ADHD and, you know, he can have a few sessions and learns to regulate. There are a couple of, um, there are three main techniques that I can teach parents to do on their own kids. So they don't necessarily, you know, have to go, but again, going for a revamp, just like getting a massage or a chiropractic adjustment or going to see your therapist, you know, what, mm-hmm. what have mm-hmm. you. It's, it's just like any other, you know, body work. Yeah. 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 Very holistic. Very, you know, I like the, I, I like the idea of, uh, well, that there's more than back to the more than one way to skin a cat thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's ways mm-hmm. to accelerate healing that would happen otherwise. Yep. And uh, yeah, very very neat. Yeah, and I, I like to look at the the person as as a whole because there's there's a body, there's a mind, there's emotions, mm-hmm. there's you know spirit, there's everything. And if you just focus on one, then you know, then it's going to be a little unbalanced. So working on them as, as a whole, uh, I think is, is important and seeing them as whole and complete Mm. already when they come to you, there's nothing that needs to be fixed. Now, can there be improvements to have them reach their, their highest good and to function better? Absolutely. But, but everyone improvements is are happening to their environment, not to them. So, so Correct. we're bringing it like the things that you're, that you hmm. on your assessment, um, where you're asking in your evaluation, what's their daily routine? Do they get, how often do they get outside? What's their diet? How much screen time are they getting? How much sleep are they getting? What's the parental temperament? Mm-hmm. We're talking about their environment. We're not talking about What are all the things that you see that are wrong with your kid? We're looking at all of the things in their environment around them that are influencing the kid. And we're adjusting those things and offering Mm -hmm. like craniosacral therapy is offering an addition to their environment that is healing and helpful and calming versus Mm -hmm. trying to edit the child. I always whenever we talk about stuff like this, the quote that always comes to mind is when the, when there, when a flower doesn't grow, you don't change the flower. You change the environment it's growing in. You change the soil, you add water, you like put it in the sunshine, all of these same things. Like children are just children. Flowers are just flowers. They don't not grow because they're making some kind of conscious choice or they behave some kind of way. It's, the environment around them affects the way that they grow. Yep. Absolutely. I don't want to have to cut this. Yeah. I don't want to have to cut this off, but there's a major storm raging out here. I don't know if you guys can hear it. Yeah. My dogs are freaking out, which is I'm getting a little anxious and I'm worried that I need to unplug everything. Um, and I don't want to, yeah, I don't no, want to lose this episode fine. from a okay. lightning strike. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I kind of cut you off before. <laughs> no, I didn't realize it was that bad. I just, uh, it's pretty heavy. And sometimes we've, when we were on vacation, lightning struck our Wi-Fi. Um, and I just, I don't want to lose oh, anything. So out of commission yeah. for a while. Yeah. Um, we get a little bit more severe storms out this way than we're used to when we were closer to Denver. So, um, yeah, but 
Yeah, no, all, all this good. This has been fantastic. <laughs> Noelle, is there is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to get to today? No, okay. I think so. Okay. I think I I think I rambled everything. So I think where, we had everything on the note sheet too. So um tell people who are listening, anyone who's listening, where they can find you. And then I will of course have all of it linked in the show notes as well. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, so super easy, sensationally wired um, across the board. So sensationallywired.com. Um, email is noel, N O E L L E, at sensationallywired.com. I am on you, <laughs> Papa Rick. Um, <laughs> Facebook under sensationally wired, TikTok under sensationally wired, Instagram under sensationally wired. Um, I just try to keep it super simple. There's no, you know, hashtags or yeah, other little little things. So sensationally wired um, across the board, and um, yeah, I look forward to talking with anyone who has more questions. I can answer anything that um, that you might have and see um, see if I can help. Awesome. You are out there and available online. I am out there and available online. And if you're in the Denver Boulder circle, um, I can definitely do some, uh, some in-home work or cranial sacral, uh, around the area. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. We appreciate you. Yes. Thank you, Jenny. Appreciate Mm. you. All right. Great to meet you. You too, Papa. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) We'll see you guys next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Well, did you learn anything new? Or have you heard all of this before? Do you agree with us? Disagree with us? Have a question? We want to see you in our inbox or via the Patreon page in the show notes. Tap on either link to send us your feedback, share your own parenting story, or support our mission of providing a connected community for all parents. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you loved this episode, click on that little star and give us five of them so we can get visible to other parents who are looking for us. This is your weekly reminder. Parents, you already have everything you need inside of you. You are a strong, loving, capable parent. And here, you are never alone. I'll see you next week.